0: Alright, let's open our Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to get the main verse here, Jake, uh, Matthew 4, 3 through 7, and so, some other ones: Anthony read Matthew thirteen fifty-five. Uh, Caleb, John one forty-six. Phil, John 7.5, <coughs> uh, Nathan, Matthew twenty-one twenty-three. Uh, da, 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 where are we at? Down here. Johnny Guzman, Deuteronomy one twenty-eight. And uh, over here, Vince First Samuel 17:45 and Mark, read Matthew 4:11. Okay, we've, we've looked for a couple of weeks we, at uh, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And the point that we're making concerning discipleship is that uh, these are our preparations. These are things that you have to sort out. And uh, you have to win some of these (coughs) battles. The devil will try to to stop you. That's the point (coughs) of the temptation, is to derail you from your purpose in God. And uh, so we've looked at uh, a couple of these. Today we're going to look at the issue of identity and validity in Matthew 4, 3 through 7.
1: Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up <coughs> to the Holy Spirit and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God.
0: Okay, let's look at identity and uh, validity. We've uh, we already looked at uh, the temptation uh, for the material stones being bred, uh, the pinnacle of the temple, which is essentially shortcuts, taking shortcuts in in life. So in this one, this actually encompasses all three of the temptations, and that is that. The strategy of hell is to challenge our identity, and I I want you to notice that in in these, what the devil keeps saying, it's in the form of a question: "If you be the Son of God." So the issue is challenging literally who you are, uh, and uh, and the point of that is authority. It wasn't just challenging like, "Do you know your name?" The issue in who you are determines what we call authority. And authority is the right to act on God's behalf. If you if you are called to do something for God, the only way that that's going to happen is if you also have God's authority, which is the right to act in His place or, or uh, on His behalf. I don't know if you've ever... Uh, uh, had a... uh, You ever been pulled over by the police where they were sitting by the side of the road and someone steps into the middle of the road? I've had very small policemen do that to me. My car was much bigger than they were. But there is an authority. There is something behind them. This is actually what the devil is assaulting is do you have the right... To act for God. And so the, he's talking about his uh, identity. So this is always, this is a constant uh, assault of hell as on our authority, our right to act. Matthew thirteen fifty five. 55. Uh, is not this the carpenter's Carpenter son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Okay, so... They're, uh, they're beginning to discuss is is it possible that Jesus could be the Messiah, the one sent from God to deliver us? And their response is this guy's dad, he, he works at a carpenter shop. In other words, he could not have, he couldn't possibly have anything uh, to say to us. John 1 46. And Nathaniel said to him, Can anything
1: good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, "Come and see."
0: Okay, so now it is uh, a matter of uh, a matter of where you come from in your in your uh, upbringing, and so in modern terms, this would be like if we want somebody important, surely they would come from Washington or New York City, and it'd be like, so, you know, can anything good come out of Paulden? What where, where this guy? This is a backwater. And so they're challenging, again, why would we listen to somebody from an insignificant place? John 7, 5. Did I give that?
1: Uh,
0: For even his brothers did not believe in him. Okay, even his brothers didn't believe in him, and so here now is his own family raised with him, and so uh, they are uh, denying this. So... This is always what the devil does. He, he always tries to demean or to make you feel like I shouldn't be doing this or I, I have uh, no right. Matthew 21, 23. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? <laughs> okay, by what authority... Are you doing these things? In other words, what right do you have to come in and act uh, uh, for God? This is, this is always the strategy of hell. I was, uh, I was 21 years old when I went out to uh, pastor, and uh, I looked much younger than 21. And so this was a, a constant refrain, <clears throat> is I would have people come in, they would look around the church, and then they would look at me, and, and the question they would ask was, and who's the pastor here? Because there's no way that this, this uh, punk kid could be in any way representing God. So that that's always a strategy from hell is to make you feel. So it's one thing when you're excited in a conference. It's another thing when you are especially struggling. It's in the places that you struggle in life. This is where identity and validity... Uh, uh, really uh, comes into play. In other words, what's common is that people personalize. They they often, you know what, I, I tried some outreaches, it's not working, so maybe it's me. Maybe I just don't have what it takes, which is, that's the voice of hell. By what authority? What, who, who Who do you think you are? You think you can do something for God. So that's always the strategy of hell. So, In these temptations, the devil tries to set the standard. And that's always a mistake in life, is when you let your enemies determine the standards. So, what the devil is saying is, you have no validity unless... And he gives three standards. It's based on what you have. Bread. Uh, this, this uh, uh, This is true, that there be something material... And I can tell you from uh, from pioneering, and in uh, I've had uh, when you're starting out small, pioneering is starting from nothing. You don't have a group of people. There's nobody there, so you begin from nothing. And I, I remember this this uh, uh, this guy from another church came and visited on on a Sunday night in South Africa, and our converts had just gotten saved weeks before. They didn't have the revelation of coming at night. And I remember he'd come around, he looked and he sneered. Just the look on his face, it, he needed a poke in the eye right there. But uh, the question was, where's all the people? So uh, he probably had come from a large church. He's, he's looking around where we're meeting. Where's all the people? So that's, that's what the devil was saying, right? Is If I can't see something, or maybe this is money or, or uh, uh, buildings or, or, or things like that, how many ministries do you have? Do you have ministries for old people, left-handed people, single people, divorced people, etc., etc.? What you have. What you can do. That's what the devil said. Uh, you're not valid unless you can throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. So there's, there is ability. There are things that, that you begin to do. Praying for the sick. For some, is, it is it's in their head uh you know the the struggle of getting people healed and and then again, the devil assaults their their validity like you shouldn't be doing this, you have no right. Uh, I get young pastors that they're they're counseling and they're like, pastor, I gotta counsel marriages and these people are older than I am. So that's your validity if you be the son of God and then of course, whether you get attention. And that was one of the points of the pinnacle of the temple was you have, you have no validity unless everybody can see you. So that's the struggle of whether we can serve quietly behind the scenes and no one know about it. If, if, if I'm not on stage, if I don't have a microphone, then, then I have no uh, uh, validity and it works out in these different ways. So this is what the devil always assaults. Who do you think you are? What makes you think you can do anything for God? Let's talk secondly about outside voices. (laughs) So the temptation, what the devil wants is for you to take your identity and your authority from outside of God. Verse 3, the tempter came to him. So, Jesus already understands the will of God and God's purpose, what the devil wants is for him to hear a voice from outside of God's uh, will. And this is always. And he uses voices from outside of God or outside the will of God to try to get... What's the point of the temptation? To change the direction of his life. So think about some of our outside voices. It has to do with other people's opinions. Anyone who says, I want to do something for God, yeah. I, I guarantee you're going to have someone speak to you against God's will. That will be discouraging uh, brethren uh, sometimes. Did I give Deuteronomy 128? Yes. Go ahead, Johnny.
2: are great and fortified up to heaven moreover we have seen the sons of, of the Anakin there
0: okay so that the the people are saying our brothers have discouraged our hearts because that is always what people get excited yes i'm going to do the will of god i'm going to get excited i i feel god dealing with me to uh, to uh, outreach or to uh, pray for the sick. Or I, I'm, I feel called. I'm going to do something for God. What happens is the devil arranges somebody to come and discourage that. Don't get excited. Yeah, when I was young, I was excited too. And look at me. I'm old and cold and dead. You know, J.W. Ballinger talks about looking out the window in the hallway there one day, waiting for the uh, van to come back or something. And he, and he said, uh, one of the helpful brothers... Came up alongside him and said, "And this is what pioneering is going to be like, J.W. Looking out a window for people who never come." And that was somebody who's being helpful. <laughs> that that that's true. That that uh, you 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 you're going to have that. You're going to have some some people we discover uh, in our fellowship is you have people that uh, their parents got radically saved, left sin, lived for God raise them in the faith, and now when they express an interest in preaching, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, you've got to set up your financial future first. Don't get carried away. What if you go out and it doesn't work out, and you come back and you have nothing, you're living under the bridge in Granite Creek, man. Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. Then, of course, religious people, people from other churches, this is one of the battles I get calls all the time from our our men on the field is uh, uh, religious people coming and trying to tell you how to run your service. You know, I left this uh, church and then they come into our church and they say, you know, back at the other church, how they did, it's like, then go back there. Why are you here? This is always, you know what I saw on TV and Benny Hinn, he's, I don't care. So always, outside voices. Then there are worldly standards. Is, is often what we do in, in calling by worldly measures is not very successful. We have, uh, um, you know, I think Ken Herman in, in Cottonwood is he's, he's in the process of trying to get permits for a building. So he's meeting in a, in a recreation hall. And, and various different places that are not impressive. I have met in buildings that are not impressive. According to the world, you would not come and go, wow, that is, uh, that's awesome. When I pioneered in the first place, it was it was next to a, it was a kind of an industrial park next to a gun store, which was uh, kind of interesting because it was in the island of Tasmania and they were mostly lefties there, but... So there's nothing that you would look at and say that is impressive, and uh, and so uh, often you'll hear voices what you need and and unless you have and and uh, then it's not not uh, valid, and then of course you're gonna hear voices from within. This is internal weakness. I don't feel qualified. Moses said I can't speak. Jeremiah said I'm too young. These are voices that the enemy uses to try to discourage you and get you to say, you know what, I can't do what God has called me to do. So let's talk about overcoming this temptation. Think about the survival strategy for Jesus here. Number one, you have to learn to ignore outside voices. So you have to to make up your mind in life. If I decide to do anything good, somebody is going to try to talk me out of it. So what? If I try to do anything good for God, there's going to be internal fears. I'm going to be nervous. So what? I'm not going to base my life on someone else's discouraging report or even on my own uh, fears. I refuse to give in to other voices. Number two is you have to reference off of God. In verse 4, verse 7, and verse 10 he repeats each time it is written again i say it is written so <laughs> who i am in uh, in life what i'm called to do and what i have the right to do is not based on hey what do you think it's not based on hey how do i feel today it's based on the word of god first samuel 17:45
2: David said to the Philistine, You
1: come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled.
0: Okay, so here is David, the only one in the army who's willing to uh, go against the enemy. And what does he come? He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I know who God is. I know what God has said. And that made all the difference. It didn't matter that he's 17 going up against a, a giant. It is His reference point is God. You have to be able to everything you feel. I feel scared, inadequate. Well, What does the word of God say? There are people that say don't get carried away. But what does God say? Religious people say what you're doing is invalid. What does God say? You have to come back to the Word of God. The final strategy for survival is trusting God. Part of the problem when the devil assaults you in these areas and you say, no, I'm not listening to that. I'm going to do right. The difficulty is that it is not immediate payoffs. It's not like you say, no, I'm not going to listen to that and bells begin to go off, lights, sirens go off and... and uh, in marches the lady like a game show with a big check. Say, you just made a right decision here. You, It's not like that. Part of the problem is you go, I'm going to do right. And the struggle goes on. And, and, and it's like, wait, I, I said I was going to do right. I turned down that offer to do the will of God. And man, it's like I'm battling. This is where the issue of trust becomes uh, uh, important if you're going to do a, a, a work for God we we believe in the principle of pioneering starting from nothing we send couples to places where there are no people they're going to start from nothing so that means there probably is going to be small crowds to begin with they're going to meet in small buildings probably they're going to have small offerings and so to continue in the face of smallness or difficulties, that is crucial, you have to trust God. I am going to trust God. I am going to outreach even though I'm, I've been getting very little response. I am going to pray even if there's no one else there. I'm going to deal with with moral violations in the church, even if it costs me. In other words, the only reason why you would do those things is if I trust God. The future is in God's hands. Doesn't matter what I feel right now. Doesn't matter the voice I hear right now. I trust God long term. I know that this is going to pay off. Matthew 4, verse 11.
2: And then the devil left.
0: <clears throat> okay, so this is uh, the encouragement is in the strategies of hell. The battle doesn't go on forever. Of course, there are seasons. That's a that's another thought, another another lesson. But but here's the point: is something does change. Is there is a breakthrough? Something breaks in the finances, fruitfulness, all kinds of different areas in in life. But you have to win. The battle of identity and validity. My calling, my authority comes from God, not from me or other people. Okay, let's open for questions. Then, there's something you want to ask that this brings up, Andy?
2: You mentioned um, if you're, uh, you know. You're Young pastor pioneering, and you have to counsel a marriage that you know, these people have been married for years. Um, and if a pastor's feeling you know, he has a lack of experience when it comes to marriage, what <coughs> is there? People call you, what are they usually asking <coughs> about the particular
0: situation that
2: they're going to be talking about, or
0: Andy? That is as varied as there are people in, in the universe. So, what are people going to ask? Listen, I've been doing this for 32 years, and I still occasionally get surprised. Like, wow, that's different. (laughs) So, there's there's no way of knowing. The the simple rule of thumb is, converts don't care. It's only religious people that care. People from other churches, they're hung up on, what's your experience? How old are you? Et cetera, et cetera. Listen, I was 21. My wife was 19 when we went in the ministry. Okay, that's that's how we started. We we both absolutely looked like children. Our converts. We had the vice president's wife from Satan's Riders, who her husband he had a grow operation under the house. Okay, he's a drug dealer. He's a criminal. These are these are you know I had the incredible Catholic. I, I had just raw sinners. They actually it came time for I don't remember one of our birthdays and they were shocked. They were like that's, that's how old you, man, we thought you were a lot older, because they were converts, I mean, they, they didn't care, and uh, in my first marriage counseling was with a couple, they already had a house paid off, you know, they had been married uh, longer than I had, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but they were converts, so what I had to say to them was, was revelation, religious people, that's a different, different world, I'm not called to build on religious people, so I don't really care. Yeah. So, got to help you. And then you get advice, because there's always something tricky. Eli. Uh,
2: When when it comes to religious people, how much... Obviously, there's some point where this is going to be harmful, these people need to leave. How quick are you to do that when you deal with You know that they're religious.
0: You know that they're not interested. Yeah, so the, the simple rule of thumb, Eli, is it depends on degrees. There are some people that the moment that I meet them, uh, I can tell this is not going to work. So, if in say, first of all, I'm witnessing on the street. If I'm witnessing somebody and they're like, oh, yes, and Benny Hinn is my favorite. Then okay, have a nice day. Uh, there's no point in me pressing. You really need to come. Person is likely to cause trouble. Second, when people come to your church, you, it, there's, this is a matter of feel and sensitivity. But again, I get people who—that's uh, those are literal conversations. That hi, I'm, you know, uh, my name is Greg. I'm the pastor of the church here oh yes, I thought I'd come visit and Joyce Meyer is my favorite and blah 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 I was listening to Benny Hinn the other day and he said that person's not going to make it they're not going to like my church so when they're talking about we're searching for another church some of those people as I look them in the eye and say I don't think you're going to enjoy it here really what we're about is we're actually after people we're not trying to get people to come from other churches we're, we're trying for uh, unsaved people that's our aim. So I've done that, and then, and then, third rule of thumb is that they'll be fishing you. Uh, you know, I, uh, my wife and our children are friends, we actually are a praise and worship team, right? So the correct response is, "I was just looking for a praise and worship team," or I've had to make, make blatant, "Hey, we'll, we'll come, we'll leave our church and come and be your, <laughs> we'll do music in your church," right? <coughs> So, or my wife's a prophetess. So in those kinds of things, no, I'm not interested. I don't know you. I won't let, uh, we don't allow people to minister without knowing their character first.
2: But it is not, it is not always immediate that
0: you tell No, but that's, no, no, it's not always immediate. So, but there are simple things that you can tell and you can make it not advantageous to them things like that when you don't bite and say yes I'm looking for a worship leader you know things like that you you save yourself a lot of grief I don't give people false hope when they're telling me the reason why they're wanting to come to our church is they want ministry in my church why would I want to even give them under false pretenses those are the people say "I, I wouldn't even you come to our church I wouldn't even dream of using you in ministry for six months I need to know you. Well, to them, that's like an eternity. Six months out of the spotlight. <clears throat> so that solves a lot of problems. Right? But then there are other people. They come. Yep, they got saved in another church. They start coming. They're, they're harmless uh, for now and just wait and see. Now, if they start contradicting you in Bible study or spreading to other people how, you know, some strange doctrine from the Bible, then you have to deal with it at that point. But the main thing, first and foremost, is if you understand, if you build on other people's converts, you'll be sorry. So if you have that mentality, there's nothing to, there's no advantage in trying to get. The rule of thumb is easy come, easy go. You got to remember, it's the same It's the same as divorce, right? Hey, I'll dump my husband and go with you. Yeah, yeah. So that means then you'd do that to me too, wouldn't you? That's how it is in churches. I'm gonna burn my church and join yours, and that's what they'll uh, that's what they'll do to you too. So that's that's just the overall. Somebody else, Jake.
1: Verse seven in the same chapter, I was actually already one of <coughs> It Says um, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Is that referring to just blasphemy? and insulting God on, on our behalf? So like, how does that apply to us tempting the Lord your God?
0: Well, we're not at that lesson yet, so that's the next lesson. Is it? Yeah. Oh. We haven't got there yet. Okay. So we'll, we'll develop that. If I told you now, Jake, you wouldn't come it next to You and go, me. no, I wouldn't. No, no I point in me getting up this morning. <laughs> I already know the answer. <laughs> we have a mark.
2: There's obviously a balance between... And discouragement. You know, how do you how do you balance the? You know, if, if I have a call I feel that God has called me to a particular purpose, and I get discouragement or I get direction, how do you how do you balance when you know that the other than just you know, is there any insight, just prayer?
0: Well, obviously that can be extremely broad, but the the issue is. Uh, that's why you have a. If you have a relationship with a pastor, he can give you some guidance sometimes, in certain things, right? So that that is. Uh, there are guys that are. Uh, they're discouraged. They just need encouragement, and, and that's how they gain direction, or a refocusing. As a good pastor can can help you to focus your thinking. You're, you might not, because in discouragement, you might not be seeing things correctly. So a pastor can give you direction. You're looking at it wrong. This is actually a the way you should be looking at it. So, but of course, there can be hundreds of different ways that would work out in life, right? Uh,
2: discouragement, I mean, it's kind of park, of course, like you know, having to wrestle for fear, but is there a point where you can gain some level of dominion over intimidation
1: and fear in pursuing God's calling? I mean, is there sometimes, a, you know, I, I talk to guys on the field, and there's
2: just a real, I mean, intimidation and fear. They're frozen in their tracks.
0: Um is, he- yeah, I think Daniel, the issue is—is it—is it, is it uh, seasonal or is it—is it endemic, and is it—is it inside permanently? You have know, some guys that that's because of their past and background. Uh, you, you've heard me in lots of different ways that I say you want to do something for God, you need to settle your rejection issues. That's crucial. You got to settle. People who, in the past, have gotten the message. <coughs> that they are, that they lack worth, or that they don't have value. If they don't settle that, you you bring that into the ministry, then the ministry is a, is a torment. Because God always has, God the whole nature of ministry is calling you to things you can't do. They, that's that's a given. That that's what calling is. He, God doesn't advertise on on Zip Recruiter. And find the most qualified. He calls us to something already that we can't do. But, if you have something endemic, and there's, it's already inside. Saul, that was already inside. Right? He's hiding in the baggage because he somehow got the message, I'm not good enough, I can't do it. So therefore, the call of God actually was a torment to him. And then he manifests by being too harsh, by not judging sin all the all the different things so discouragement is if it's seasonal I mean that's I, I get discouraged sometimes when uh, there are things that are frustrating it depends on how I deal with it but it, it's not like you should uh, say if I do the will of God I'll be tormented till the day I die no that's incorrect does, does that answer your question? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. 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 Vince?
1: So how how would you settle something? The your rejection
0: issue. Well, you you have to sort out you that has to be sorted with uh, with God. Why do you feel the way that you feel? Where does that come from? You know, there's resources uh, resources that are Uh, available, you know, I give people books, things to help them but in essence Jesus responded to the word of God anything you feel okay, I feel inadequate, what does the Bible say? That's, that's a person's, that's your that is your personal responsibility is to find out what the word of God says, begin to pray over that, not just to know it in general terms, but to personalize it So a person who has rejection issues and identity issues, they have to come before God. God, you have to make this revelation. You have to heal something in me that is broken. And, uh, you know, so that comes firstly firstly from the Word of God. Secondly, from praying the Word of God into you. Uh, Thirdly, there's resources, books that are available. You can deal with those issues. And fourthly, uh, with... uh, uh, with counseling, you know, that's something that can help as well. So, all of those put together, you should, you, you you have the hope of getting to a point where you are not fundamentally starting from a position of torment.
2: Yep. I, I had a friend of mine talk to me about personal problems <coughs> going through, you know, and just, or the thing that he had gone through is that, uh, I said, have you ever talked to pastor about it? Yeah, I thought about it. I'm not against it, but is he just, you know, I don't know. Is he just going to come me to read my Bible and pray? You know, I, I already tried to do that. And, and they, they didn't quite uh, grasp what they were going to, why counseling was going to help them. I told them that, you know, sometimes there's insight that they don't have, that the pastor <coughs> might be a supernatural dimension where you open yourself up to somebody to give you some wisdom. But I was wondering, is there is there a better answer for that where I can to a new convert or somebody who doesn't quite not, not used to counseling with a man I like got I can counsel them. Hey, you need to go talk to pastor because this this this, this why, why can this help you?
0: Yeah, so it's not a matter of three easy statements, but that's that is the whole point. Shepherds give guidance. That's what a, when you say pastor, that's what a pastor is a shepherd. Mm-hmm. He gives guidance, and and uh, and yes, as God equips a pastor with supernatural insight. Right? I have people that talk to me and sometimes I'm able to pinpoint something they can't see. The real issue. This is the real issue. Supernatural wisdom. This is the path that will help you. You know. So, uh, you know, people who don't want to counsel, that's, uh, that is actually, they have issues within them. Uh, you know unfortunately we bring we bring things with us in life right so some people they're they' they have bad experiences with people in authority they have bad experiences with people who've who've uh, taken advantage of their you know openness or whatever so but the bottom line is people who don't view a pastor correctly they don't they don't do well in life they struggle that's that's all there is to it and there's generally not good reasons why people withhold from seeking godly wisdom anybody
1: else Jake so as a man with with pride in your situation where they're asking where the people are how did you react without becoming without becoming defensive and uh, Having your own feelings hurt—is that something you just settled early on with what Vince is talking about? Where it's where it's uh...
0: Yeah, the the issue again is, <coughs> I wasn't sweating this guy's. Uh, I wasn't sweating his comment because I didn't want him anyway. I already knew that I didn't want this guy in my church. Uh, again, there is nothing in me. Someone comes and says, "I'm going to." Calvary Chapel, the Heights of Baptist Church, you know, Assembly of God, and I'm thinking of coming here. There's nothing in me that goes, "Wow, that's great, awesome, yeah, you should come here." Mm-hmm. I'm not. That's not what I'm called to do. So in that sense, uh, in that sense, that guy, I didn't want him in my church, so I'm not going to sweat his opinion. It's like whatever. So that that's knowing what I'm called to do settles that because the people who are saying that again new converts don't say that people who people that got saved and God is delivering them from drugs and and uh, broken lifestyles they come everything is it never occurs to them that we're meeting in your living room that that is what they're focused on this is this is wonderful God's helping us Right? So that's how you handle that. Johnny.
1: Uh, when talking to say if you're witnessing and somebody says, Oh yeah, I believe that
0: Jesus
2: Christ, actually goes to such and such church, do you continue to test the spirit or do you just leave
0: up that way? I you know, I I certainly won't spend an hour and a half with someone uh in in just theological arguments. But you understand simply that someone says they go to church doesn't mean they're saved. So you know, yeah, I I probe in in South Africa everybody went to church. I mean it was incredibly rare. It was almost like, man, ladies and gentlemen, I met a guy he doesn't go to church at all. That's incredible. You know that that would be very rare. Everybody went to church. Drug dealers went to church. It's just it was in them. So and they had the words. So they would, yeah, I'm born again. Yes, I've been redeemed. You know, they had the word. So then you had to get, okay, let's talk about <laughs> when you when you were born again. I'm talking about you left the drugs and the alcohol. You're no longer sleeping with people you're not married to, you know. And as one guy said to me, when I got to the sleeping with the people you're not married to, he went, "Ooh, now that's a difficult one.
1: <laughs>
0: so... So yeah, but then you get into people, then they they want to argue eternal security, and it's like whatever, move along. That, I think that comes into not casting your pearls before swine, right? Don't don't waste your time with arguments with, of course, people in cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, and yeah, Mormons. Yeah, you're you're very unlikely to to uh, convince them because it's a spirit; it's not factual. But and people from other churches, sure, you can probe a little bit. And there are people often that their first instinct is, yes, I'm a Christian. You probe a little bit and it's like, yeah, and, and conviction will come. So that's fine. But then you get people that they obviously have some form of experience and you're, you can see you're just wasting your time overall in, in a lot of these things the, the, you guys some of you are, you're asking me questions that I can't give you this is what you say and when they say it's not a manual, that's why you pray for wisdom you pray for sensitivity like, like I say, I can't I can't put in an app there are people that when I was pioneering they came and I could just feel this is not going to work I could feel it because God was helping me <coughs> So that's the sensitivity. Knowing when to when to push. There's a time to push, even though their initial response seemed to be that they're not favorable. There's a time to let it go. Yeah. Vince. Um, for the uh, the people
1: uh, that come against. Does that stuff need to be judged right away uh, to that person, or can it be something where I, I just decide to not listen to their words?
2: You know, <coughs> what they yeah, I don't, I don't the know. There's what
0: you're yeah, what you're that's out? a that's a wisdom factor, you know. So I, I would suggest that a birthday party is not the time to rebuke your grandmother or something, you know. That's there's a wisdom <laughs> wisdom involved. That, there, there are people that they don't actually affect. They they have an opinion. It's like, yeah, yeah, then I move along. Then there are people that they have an effect, and it, and it may be important for you to say, no, I reject that, and I'm not going to do that. But I can't. Again, you got to pray.
1: I, I have a experience of the two things together that you said, the, the rejection thing and the discouragement. The person that I want, wanted to accept me. Yeah. discouraging me, so I didn't want it.
0: Yeah. But it, it really affected me and I was just able to get the words out Yep. Very good. Everybody else? Okay. We'll leave it at that.